Stardate 0408.2011. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your electing captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett, Clyde Haynes, and Grant Davis. Tonight, yeah, you guessed it. It's a loose hang, baby. <laughs> <laughs> again. we're uh streaming the pod live on youtube twitch and twitter and facebook and we're gonna break down all the fun new star trek news that came out of this week's first contact day celebration uh i feel at this point we can just call it star trek day right it's star trek day yeah yeah first contact day um so as some of you might know paramount plus held a bunch of panels and dropped a bunch of teaser trailers earlier this week for First Contact Day. So we'll be talking about all that stuff. Teasers for Disco, for Picard, Lower Decks. Oddly, nothing for Strange New Worlds, but we'll get into it. So we'll uh, dive into all that stuff, breaking it down, dropping a few theories for you guys. Should be fun. Uh, first, Clyde, let's let the viewers know how they can uh, participate on the pod. Yes, if you are watching live and you want to join our conversation, we encourage you to jump into the chat. Make sure that you type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod before your comment or your question, and we will see it and mention it, and you can participate along. Nice. Yes. All right, Mariah, can you let folks know how they can follow the pod? Yeah, there's a few ways that you can support this little podcast of ours. The first is to make sure you have subscribed. So whether that is on your uh, live feed channel of choice. So if it's on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know when we're going live, especially right now while we're in our off season. Um, and then you can also subscribe to the audio version of this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for links, you can always visit StarTrekPod.co to find all of the places you can listen to us. Grant Davis, get that money. Patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Boom. There's a little thing on the bottom. Uh, if you go to Patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and make a per episode pledge, give us a buck or two an episode. Uh, that's a great way to help support this podcast as well. We need that money in order to, I don't know. I think Mike spends it on, on his bookie or whatever in your <laughs> drugs, but um, we do appreciate uh, all of the support novelty you guys mugs. have given us. <laughs> novelty mugs. That's what I was going to say. Just random novelty <laughs> mugs. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars of novelty <laughs> mugs. Hold this up. mug. There you oh, go. Man. Novelty oh. mug city. I, I got this I courtesy have, of Mike. This is my novelty. novelty oh, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I buy I them no for myself. Mug. I buy them for myself. People give them to me. And then I... Uh, uh, I, I gift them to other people. And this one is a lie. This one is a bird telling another bird that's supposed to be me, I guess. I'm I'm a big deal on the fucking internet. Wow. It's a lie. Wow. It's a lie. Language. Well, uh, if you want to help support Mike's unhealthy, unhealthy mug habit, uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. If you make a $2 an episode pledge, you can come join us on the Slack channel. We have watch alongs. We have bonus exclusive Patreon um episodes that you guys can check out we have just a bunch of different chat threads where you can talk to people about star trek books star trek uh magazines star trek uh periodicals star trek newspapers anything that's literature that's star trek there's just gonna be a thread in there 
Anyway, why is Grant <laughs> doing the Patreon plug when he's literally the one of all of us that's like never on the Patreon? Plug? You know, I, I was gonna say something because because I used to be that guy, and I felt like wow, like I'm I'm never on the Slack, and now. Grant, to your point, for $2, you can come hang out with us, and it is a blast. Like, the community is great. We chat about random things. The watch-alongs are fantastic. Um, so if you, you want to hang out, I highly recommend come uh, come watch some Trek with us. It's a good time. Yeah, patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. We put a hard sell on it this time. <laughs> I think I, put, I dedicated <laughs> a couple minutes to this. Anyway, yeah. thank you. Um. My mic's acting funky. Can you guys still hear me okay? Yeah. Yes. All right, great. All right, I'm going to hand the con over to our Trek news hound, Mariah Gossett, to lead us through some of this news from uh, Tuesday's uh, Star Trek Day, First Contact Day panels. Uh, hold on, hold on, Mariah. Before that, Grant, do you know what First Contact Day is? Good question. No. I mean, I, I guess it's a reference to that movie First Contact, which is like, I guess, I think Trek has some protocol for when they deem a society at a level that they can make First Contact. Like they have to have like is it warp speed or they have yeah. to have some sort of travel thing. Be able be have the capacity for warp travel. Yeah. That said, I have no idea why they call this First Contact Day. Yes. Uh, because last Tuesday. Last Tuesday was the anniversary of a future event that happens in Star Trek canon called First Contact, where humans first meet another alien species, and we met Vulcans. the the Vulcans, and that was uh, dramatized in Star Trek First Contact, and this year is the 25th anniversary of that movie. It's the second TNG movie, probably my, well, it's definitely my favorite TNG movie. It's probably my favorite Star Trek movie of all time. Um, and probably the best TNG movie out there. But yeah, that's that's First Contact. First Contact is is a number of different things. It's a movie. It is a, a future holiday. <laughs> and it's also a holiday that we celebrate here on Earth as Trekkies. Correct. Yeah, we do. Yeah. All right, Mariah. Give us this news. All right. So the panels, much like last year, so there was a big first contact day uh, online panel situation last year as well, um, which included things like teaser trailers. I think we talked about it last year, too. Um, this year, because it is the 25th anniversary of the first contact movie, um, the big, I think, draw or the bigger panel this year was a revisiting first contact panel, um, which came right after they did a, a a section with um, uh, for Picard with a teaser trailer prior to that. And it included a guest appearance by John Delancey because guess who's coming back. And we'll talk about it when we get to the trailers is Q baby. So we're going to have to <laughs> do Boo. some deep diving into that. Um, John Delancey was on his boat for the panel. It just felt that I was, I was like looking because it looked like a boat panel of things. And then they confirmed he was indeed streaming from a boat. And I was like, man, you must have good money to be able to live stream from a boat. But anyway, um, <laughs> after that, there was uh, revisiting first contact, which included Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Franks, Brett Spiner, as well as Allison uh, Creek, who played the board queen. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing from her. And they talked a lot about sort of 
the way they worked um, her performance with the special effects and like how they sort of worked that together to make this very believable sort of Borg queen situation. She um, was so enthusiastic on that panel. I think she mm -hmm. was the most enthusiastic one. And it's funny because she, you know, she's just a small part of that movie. I mean, it's a big part, but she's, yeah. she, you know, that's the only thing she ever really showed up in. Although I think she did yeah. play the Borg queen in a Voyager episode. I think, yes, one Voyager episode. Hey, there was hey, a hey, wait, wait, stop talking about Voyager. I'm going back and watching it. No spoilers. <laughs> Borg queen shows up at the end and Janeway kicks her ass. How's that? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Alice, uh, Alice Creek was great. I really liked seeing her interactions with Brett Spiner. I thought they had like a really fun dynamic on the panel. And I agree with you, Mike. It was, I don't know if it's because she's not usually on these Star Trek panels um, that it was probably a little bit more refreshing for her other than for uh, everyone else who kind of has to talk about this stuff all the time. <laughs> um, and she also, you know, talked about how she had never really seen any Star Trek prior to getting the role. And so she thought she like really blew the audition because she was like, Oh, I don't think they really liked it. But then, um, you know, obviously they did and they, and they booked her for the part and it's now history. Um, but yeah, it was a great conversation between the cast sort of, talking about their memories of shooting the movie and how much fun they all had on it. Um, they also finally explained how uh, Frakes got the nickname to take Frake. I saw that. Yeah. He was, he was a little defensive about it at first, wasn't he? I think he was just like, you know, I thought we got the take on the first try because I think a level of comfort was there because it is Frakes with his entire crew that he's been working with for years at this point when the film comes out. And so, you know, he would get one and then someone told him like, oh, no, you have to you have to shoot two. They have to see at least two when you're doing a feature film. And so that's really where it came from. So in reality, he's more like a one take freak. <laughs> but now that there's digital, I guess you can kind of go. Um, you know, it's not as expensive to do multiple takes because that's something I think a lot of people forget about is how expensive it was to process film. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, and for those watching or listening who don't get the two takes freaks thing, Mariah, you want to explain that? Like why he got that nickname in the first place? Yeah, so they they started calling him two takes Frake because he generally only ever wanted to use the first take if it was good. Um, and then he was told, like, on a feature film, you have to do at least two takes. And so he would always just do the required two takes on a lot of these shoots. Um, earning Unlike, like, nickname. David Fincher, who does, like, 30-plus takes for and every movie, every abuses scene. abuses yeah. the women in his movies for right. it. Right. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, he got that nickname and it's sort of since followed him through all of his directing because he's now directed the most uh, Star Trek out of anyone who's ever directed Star Trek. So, um, yeah, I think he has like a love-hate relationship with that nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it can have some negative connotations and just like, oh, this guy's lazy. He only does two takes. But I think right. he just gels with the crew that he's been working with for 20 years or so and just gets what he wants. Right. And I mean, from from work I've done on a production set, which is limited in comparison, very limited. I can tell you, though, it's like if you're working with a director who knows what they want and you can like nail it in the audition before you start running the cameras. And like usually now, because everything's digital, you're even running cameras through an audition in case you pick up something that you want. But back in the day when it was film, if you think the audition's going well and you can capture it in the first take, you might as well do it. Um, 
But speaking of behind the scenes stuff, the next panel, which I also thought was really cool, was um, a panel called Creating First Contacts, which was a conversation between Gersha Phillips, Jason Zimmerman, Neville Page, and James McKinnon, which is like essentially all of the behind the scenes folks. So costume, VFX supervisor, creature design, and makeup. Um, and they really talked about how they all have to work together um, to sort of create all of these worlds that we're now seeing on all of the new shows. So that was cool to get a little peek behind how all those teams work and they all just seemed like really nice people. You know, they talked about how you have to bring people up through the ranks and like the people they're hiring now are people in like makeup schools that they hope that they are setting a good example for how you build teams and make room for people who are still learning the process, which I thought was really cool. So I'd recommend checking out that if you haven't already. And then my favorite panel of the day was Women in Motion, which was Sinequa Martin-Green, um, Isa Briones, Don Lewis, and Michelle Hurd talking about the impact of Michelle Nichols on their careers. Um, and on Who's Star Don Trek... Lewis? I'm sorry. Don Lewis is the voice of um, of the captain on Lower Decks. Oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, also, also known as Jaleesa from A uh, Different World. Yes. She does what? a ton of voice work. Yeah. Jaleesa is the captain Jaleesa of the Cerritos? Is Lisa. Lisa <laughs> is Jaleesa. No fool me. Anyway, I'm That show gets way cool. off. Cool. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, Don, and Don <laughs> Lewis amazing. is like apparently really good friends with Nichelle Nichols. So she brought a bunch of photos of them, like hanging out and, and on different sets together and working together. Um, so I thought that it was just like, it was very emotional and like impactful. And they're all just talking about how much they enjoy being on a show like Star Trek. And it's because of Nichelle Nichols impact on the world that they're able to, to feel good about being a part of this franchise. So, um, it's definitely worth a watch in my book. So there's two other panels and I, I'll kind of run past them um, quickly because there's so much to talk about from First Contact Day. Um, so they did a panel called Second Contact, which was about the importance of comedy in, in Trek and oh. kind of the legacy of comedy. And so it was Paul F. Tompkins, Mike McMahon, um, Jonathan Frakes and Brett Spiner um, sort of talking about how they took so much inspiration from uh TNG's like secondary plot points in how they work and create uh, lower decks. So that was also right. a fun panel. And then finally, we rounded out with First Contact, which uh, they talked about kids programming. So it was where we finally got to see Kate Mulgrew's character. Uh, we got to see Janeway as as hologram for this particular show for Prodigies. Um, and then they also had the two show creators, Dan Hedgeman and Kevin Hedgeman. So we didn't really get to learn too much more besides getting to see animated Janeway with her coffee cup. So they really know oh, the details. Did she have the coffee cup? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that was a, a an awesome overview, Mariah. I caught some of this stuff that day and all those live streams are available on um, uh, Paramount Plus's YouTube channel. And uh, they were streaming. They're on the Twitch as well. Yeah. You uh, can so also you just go out. to um, Star Trek dot com slash first contact day they're all there mm. yay so i also broke down some of the some of the big stuff by show if we want to go through it that way mm -hmm. let's, so let's do it let's talk about the disco news when does season four come out we didn't get a date but we got a range a date range so apparently season four is going to drop in late 2021 so production started hey. last november wait didn't on like the last show, didn't we have a discussion on whether or not it was going to drop this year or next year? I thought it was going to drop next year. I was I, guessing 2022. 
I also thought it might have been early 2022, but now that I've seen, and this is jumping a little bit ahead, but they've already said August uh, is when we're going to be getting lower decks. And so I'm mm-hmm. wondering if we're going to get another 26 straight weeks of Trek this fall. It might be. Uh, the theories out there is that August August 12th, lower decks is premiering in 10 weeks of that. And then Prodigy might premiere in between lower decks and disco. Well, so, so- Here's here's the thing. I think Paramount Plus has to figure out um what they're gonna do because I think I think we were somewhat correct in thinking, okay, they're gonna space it out. But if you look at the heavy hitters, right, and the, the new heavy hitters, um, you know, like Disney Plus, Disney Plus is coming with just back to back and they're getting really close to having like two shows going at once. But right mm-hmm. now they're nonstop kind of in this Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that, when you, you, you look at Netflix trying to jump in there, when you look at HBO max, if Paramount plus really wants to be a player, they have this incredible, uh, pr- like they've, they have star Trek. This property has everything you want. You, at this point, you're going to have to go back to back to back to back to back if you want to be in this landscape. So I think we're, we're going to see Disco and Lower Decks and Picard, and they, they've got to come with Section 31 and Strange New World, and they're going to have to keep going, and it'll have to be back to back. Otherwise, they're going to lose people. Because this crowd, I hate to say it, is the set, dare I, should I say it? Say it. And this is also the crowd that'll be on Disney+. Plus watching um the star wars back to back to back to back to back that they're yeah. doing there, there's room in our hearts for marvel there's room in our hearts for star wars and star trek and drag race and everything else we're watching <laughs> i mean you can give we it got to me big every hearts night. here at star trek discovery pod that's true i yeah, do feel I... though that like that uh they would be better served by not being their own individual platform I think that Paramount should go under the umbrella of probably Amazon, given uh, who was it mm. that just partnered with Netflix and now Netflix is going to be running all like this movie stuff for them. Uh, Netflix just partnered yeah, yeah. with someone. I, I feel like they're starting to uh, uh, consolidate brands again. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like it would make sense that they, it, it kind of falls back to the, the big three of Netflix, Amazon and, and Disney now. All right, I Monopoly think- man. <laughs> <laughs> well, or I do think us we're the victims who have to buy individual services yeah. from every single one of these platforms. It, it's true. It's true. I do think that um Star Trek could have or New Trek could have a really great baking breaking bad effect if mm. it played on Netflix in the US. Mm. Um like after a season airs on CBS All Access slash Paramount Plus, if they just dropped that season on Netflix. It could pick up so many new viewers. Yeah. Um, just like Breaking Bad. Like Breaking Bad didn't really become the cultural phenomenon it was until like the third season after the first two seasons were dropped on Netflix and people binged it because Netflix promoted it. And after that, it was not only a critical darling, but a ratings hit. Um, and that's happened to so many things. Like like now you you turn on Netflix and you, you look at the top 10 and it's just mis- mishmash of like random new things Netflix has produced, but also like a really like a movie from the a random movie from the 90s that mm-hmm. Netflix just decided to promote. And then uh, some some random like um, 
uh, Lifetime Network show that went nowhere on Lifetime, but all of a sudden it's a hit on Netflix. Yeah, it, it is definitely a mis- mix match of like all kinds of stuff. But I, Mike, I think you, you have a, a point. I, it, but for us, it's great because we're getting so much content thrown at us at once. But there is a there's a fight out there right now. And I think Paramount, I don't know. I just feel like when I talk to people, there are people who are still going, why would I sign up mm-hmm. for it? You can call it what you want to. But people were so against signing up for CBS All Access and going, I do not want another one, right? But if you're a parent, there was almost no way you weren't going to get Disney+. Plus. You just, it was like, and so it was like, well, if I got it for the kids, then I'm going to die face first into all this Marvel Star Wars stuff. <laughs> we got some cool comments here. Wasoka says, or Wasoka says, I would love some streaming co- consolidation. What the heck is going on with Peacock? Can we not? Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, Peacock's a mess. Also, here's a reminder. Home Chicky says, okay, y'all, I'm falling asleep. I was like, <laughs> we got to Peacock and streaming wars. <laughs> Good night. So, uh... <laughs> So let's get into the nitty gritty of disco. We got the trailer, right? We got the brand new uniforms. Um, and apparently the, the, the log line for season four of, uh, of disco is sounding a little familiar. The crew is facing a threat. Unlike one they've ever encountered. What? Every, every sci-fi show ever. But, <laughs> yes. Um, it's something new. I thought it was going to be like a 12, 12- blue demons like the seven red <laughs> angels that's a good point because chike says it seems disco spends a lot of its seasons chasing anomalies the six red angel signals the burn and now this new one in season four i hope they switch it up to be fair to be fair we don't know exactly what they're going to be what the threat is going to be so it's we don't know if they're chasing an anomaly or not yeah and technically last season was like the re-team up plus like I guess searching for the source of the burn is an anomaly, but that felt so much bigger as a plot point. Um, and then this season, I do. I mean, first of all, we do get better looking uniforms for this particular set, which I appreciate. I don't think the grays looked awesome on our ship's uh, kind of aesthetic. So I appreciate that. Um, but I also think so. The big thing is this gravitational anomaly in the trailer. So I guess spoilers if no one has watched the trailer yet, but I'm assuming we've all watched the trailer and that is why you are here. Um, So they're chasing some sort of gravitational anomaly that is gigantic. And so if we're ready to uh, jump into some of Mariah's wild theory corners is there have been a few instances of gravitational weapons within Trek, both canon and non-canon. So within canon, we do get the Omega Molecule, which was a big fan favorite for the cause of the burn last season, which is an interesting concept that the Omega Molecule might be back. Um, And then the thing that is non-canon, it's from one of the um, original series comic books, which we know we've loved some original series interjection into Discovery was specifically a Klingon weapon that was developed in the 2270s, which would create a gravitational field field that would be uh, so big it would resemble a smaller version of the quantum singularity. So it would like bring in meteors, debris, objects within range, uh-huh. 
blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, we, we definitely dove into the Klingons season one. So it would be interesting because we did not see any Klingons thus far in this new universe. If we were to have another exchange with them in some way, shape or form. I feel like so you gotta have a Klingon. Hmm. Right. I miss the Klingons. Me too. But it's also like 3000 years in the future. We could just have some new species. That's, you know, the right. shit. But right now, if it feels like we've got Romulans and Vulcans, right? We've got, we, it feels like we've got everybody but the Klingons. Right. So I'm really going, no, no, no. Where the hell are the Klingons? Man, I don't know. I felt like season, whatever, Ash Tyler's Klingon stuff was my least favorite stuff. <laughs> I don't know who what? you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking but about. But every time, like, they would just go into those scenes where they're they're both talking Klingon and everyone's super aggro, and I'm just like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I mean, I don't think the Klingons have to be a villain. Perhaps it is mm-hmm. like a rogue Klingon, and we got to team up with the Klingons to take down a mad scientist. Like, that could be fun. Um, they also, in the trailer, there's some things. So there, I don't know if we have the particular screenshot, but there's one yeah. of the bridge crew. They're all standing, looking very concerned. And Saru, I think it's Saru, is in the, the back left-hand corner. Um, there he is. They, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's where everyone yeah. is actually seated. But anyway, um, there is, if you, if you there go to is. like... Loose hang. That's, that's really definitely a loose hang. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, there is a Saru, a wild Saru appears in the background, I'm pretty sure. Um, the other fun thing from a production standpoint that I do know is similarly to the Mandalorian, they used a lot of that, um, you know, it's that giant digital screen instead of a green screen to be able to, to produce a lot of this, especially with COVID because they weren't able to do as much on location um, shooting. So I think that'll... Uh, be really cool to see how they've utilized that. And then the other m- more interesting thing I've seen on the internet as far as the disco um, trailer is the possibility of maybe a, a someone who's of Cardassian, um, uh, I guess, descent and possibly did, being the president. Did you say Cardassian or Kardashian? Dashian. All right, because that, that's going to make it a big difference whether or not yeah, I want to tune in. That character. There yeah. she is. Yeah, this looks like yeah. a uh, half Cardassian, maybe half human, yeah. which um, in Trek lore, that would be great because we know at the end of DS9, the, the Cardassian species was decimated. Uh, there's hardly any of them out there. Kind of almost what happened to Vulcan. Spoiler and- alert, Mike. <laughs> that show's 25 years old, my friend. I'm, I'm <laughs> getting, when I finish Voyager, I'm going to go back and do DS9. I'm just All saying. Right. I can't believe you're going through Voyager. Then good for you for you that's good Voyager's a good time um and then the other thing is there is a shot as well that shows um you know our vulcan romulan president talking to this particular person as well as another shot from that same scene where we get to see michael burnham's mom is back in the background mm-hmm. and oh, i miss that and it looks like um our uh oh my gosh how am i forgetting his name the admiral admiral vance is also in the shot so he's back it looks Can like yeah, the about- okay. the Cardassian human looks like uh, she might be in a like the president of the Federation mm-hmm. uh, because wow. everyone seems to be kind of um, not bowing to her but showing her reverence. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting. Can we talk about the uniforms? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I still hate them. <laughs> Why is this the future? And you have to wear heavy, bulky, <laughs> military shoulder squared uh, polyester. Why can't you wear something comfortable? These look like like this hard felt structured fabric that does not seem like something I want to sit in space in and have to move around in. It's awful. It, I, I will admit I, I had a couple I had a couple thoughts. My first thought was, man, that does not seem very breathable. Was one. And two, it I immediately thought back to I don't I think it's it's a Star Trek the motion picture or mm-hmm. It, it's like man, it's, it's not the first one i think I it's like like starting set, with wrath of khan yeah yeah and i was just thinking you know and it's funny because you know kirk always had like it open like half open like it was like never actually closed but yeah, i just like, looked at i just kind of said wait a second so i get that they're from the past but is this one of those situations where fashion comes back around you know ten thousand years in the future um that was my thought i was like you know what's so frustrating they have a button you can push and a gun materializes in your hand they have a button or like a cufflink or whatever it was and a gun pops up you push another button you dematerialize and yet here they still have to wear this stiff uniform rather than like i don't know this should be all all in like silk robes that like oh are you cold push a button you're warmer now still in a silk robe you're lounging but, about, <laughs> chill, and you push a button, you can be any temperature you want. It's regulated. But Grant, I think you just answered your own question, right? If they've got all this stuff that comes out of the uniform, then doesn't the uniform have to be a little bit bulky? Like, where's that gun at? I'm also someone who has a love-hate relationship with the cat suit era of, of Trek, especially for our women uh, crew members. I appreciate the fact that these are all fairly gender neutral yes. and, and that it does seem like it's more tactical. It and could still be comfortable. That is not I mean, comfortable. We don't know there. if they're comfortable. I'm, I have turtlenecks oh, that don't oh. look comfortable from the outside that are extremely comfortable. I'm um, itchy just looking at that material. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, to I, me, I, it looks more like um, almost like scuba equipment-y, you know, like um, like more tactical in a way. I do want to say I want to say some positives about these uniforms. At least we're getting some color back. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the yes. cut and the fit and the style of the season one through three uniforms. Um, but that that regulation military blue just wasn't doing it for me. Um, I just. I like Trek with some color, right? That's mm-hmm. that was one of the things that really popped about J.J. Abrams movies. He really leaned into the color with those. Uniforms. The color looks that- awesome in this shot and the depth mm-hmm. of, of field and like how they're exactly. able to play with the characters popping between this ba- black, this dark background. I agree. Mm-hmm. There. Yeah, color yeah. With the with the shot I have on screen, I mean, already the the show just looks. Uh, there's much more contrast. There's much more. It's more dynamic with everyone wearing. You know brand color branded rank officer uniforms it looks really cool it it just gives it a spark um and it doesn't to me it doesn't feel as militaristic um hmm. but i do get about the the thick material and the wide shoulders and that's definitely a choice because 
it does, we don't know if they're comfortable or not. Obviously, we're not there. We don't know if they're breathable or not. We're not there. We're not wearing them. But the point is they don't look comfortable and breathable, right? They look like costumes in terms of like the cut and the bulkiness. So it's definitely a, a style choice that they went with. And it's just going to take like an episode or two or eight to get used to, right? Yeah. That's, like that's all it is. And it's kind of like the, uh, like the, the, the costumes that Mariah mentioned, the uniforms, the, the red, the red type ones that they wore, that Kirk and all them wore in the mm-hmm. movies. It took everybody a while to get used to those. But after a while, it's like, that's what Star Trek looks like for that era. And we accepted it. And again, I like the colors. I think they're cool. Um, and I'm leaning into it already without even seeing an episode yet. I'm like, it's a choice. It's bold. I can be into it. I will say I don't hate them, but the truth is you show any Star Trek uniform and somebody somewhere has complained about it mm-hmm. uh, as, yeah. as much. I mean, you know, I'm looking this at is, the chat. This, this picture is Grant looking at the uniforms. <laughs> the the TNG uniforms, like Mariah, to your point, I have a love-hate relationship with the cat suit. I think the cat suit by and large is terrible. Um, but I had a major crush on Maria Sirtis, so I kind of was like, I'll allow it. Um, but if you think about Picard, he was constantly pulling down that sweater. Like, like who wants a sweater you constantly have to keep pulling down? So, so at least these are more tunic. And the other thing is, and and I think we saw this too, even with the very, like the first teaser we got for um, season three, I would almost bet money that all of these shots are from the first two episodes. So it's like, who knows if these are just like, these are the dress uniforms and they were supposed to be on their route to go do something formal and then chaos ensues. And Mm. because we also see images of them in these more tactical, all black bodysuits with like an armor situation as well. So I think it's going to be a lot more like with temperature control changes. Like that's what I'm talking about with temperature. Yeah, that's hot. It's great. So yeah, I, we do it, see some shots of uh, Burnham in like a Tron suit, mm-hmm. which looks pretty I dope. I bet there's then, like that's it, jersey right. lining or like Modal lining on the inside, and it's like super comfy. Who, yeah, who doesn't love Tron? See, we also see Mary Wiseman wearing the same thing, mm-hmm. and it looks mm-hmm. like this might be like they might be wearing those suits right before we see something like this happen. And exactly. if you're watching, if you're just listening, what I'm showing is a shot from the trailer in which it looks like. Shit's going down on the Discovery Bridge and things are blowing up. There is a massive shot of pretty much everything on the bridge blowing up at one point. And then it cuts to to the aftermath um, and the bridge just looks decimated. I don't know if that's here. the bridge, though. Oh, that, right looks there, like, that looks like um, the um, uh, cargo bay. Yep. Oh, yeah. That. So um, so we see the go, bridge go blowing up. Mike? And then we see the cargo bay blowing up, and then the car- cargo bay is just in shambles. But right. I think there look was how, a shot of the bridge also Cobra pretty messed up. I, I mean, looking good in the white and black right there. Yeah, and that it's looks clean, good. which means he was not there when this went down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I also I don't know where he was at, but he was he was safe. It's also though to say that um, I think Wilson Cruz could literally wear anything, and it would look good. This is this is also very true. This is true. Here's what I want. As far as the color, the color blocking of of these outfits and like how that plays for like rank and position on there, I do really appreciate that. And the gray was going to drain all that kind of life out of this 
ship. So I, I'm glad that they made this transition back to having like color and life back on the ship. But here, here's what I need. This is and this is probably just for me in general. But when can I get some Star Trek sweats? I mean, you're in space. These journeys are long. I'm just saying, we all working from home yes. now. I need some Star Trek sweats. I Temperature mean, controlled. Sweats. A little hoodie. I mean, Google you know Star saying? Trek sweats, bro. They got to be out there. I mean, I mean, in the show, and then it's it's like then I can get like oh, they they have official. leisure wear. They have like leisure disco wear and stuff. We've seen that before on right. the show. Right, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They probably even I have like disco much, branded Nikes. I love how much time we've dedicated to talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the well, there's not a lot to go on in this trailer, other than there's a mysterious threat we've never seen before. Some ship blows and, and up, what, and here are some new uniforms. Right, and once so. again, it seems like it's it's them hunting an anomaly, kind of like uh, what someone was saying in the comments. Of now, there's some gravitational anomaly that's uh, going to be like kind of fluctuating and like sending them genociding or potentially crushing them to death. I don't know. Gravity's gravity's a, a scary force to be messing with, I would think. I mean, this is exciting. And I mean, Mike, your your point about, you know, Chloe Kardashian being the president of of the Federation is just I mean, that's exciting news. And as I think it's broken here right? first. <laughs> I mean, uh, but as far I'm as trying like, not I'm not going to talk about millionaires, so I'm just going to back off away from that comment. As far as where we left off with season three of the show, and now we have our new crew, our crew in the future as the sole ship, at least where we left off, um, having the spore drive and being able to jump anywhere. Are, are they tasked with just kind of, you know, triage, like handling like these weird well, little spinoffs? Or I believe at the end of season the gospel of what it is to be the Federation. Yeah, I think at the end of season three, they're pretty much turned into the the disciples of the Federation. <laughs> Go out and spread spread the good word, right? Well, and they were supposed to bring things to people, right? Mm-hmm. They were a bit of a you know a- Amazon delivery truck, which I was actually excited about because old Trek, right? Especially now that I'm I'm going back and looking at a lot of old Trek. Mm-hmm. Old Trek was about this journey where where each episode you were you were getting to know some new planet, some new adventure. And so when the idea of discovery going out and week to week delivering, you know, the Amazon packages to people, I was excited about going, oh, we're going to get to see new people and it'll be part of the story. And this whole world is going to kind of come into focus for us. But it looks yeah. like none of that's going to happen. I don't know. It, it maybe it looks like they they're going to be on that journey, and then they're going to run into this big problem, right? Um, so we're going to likely see something that is not episodic again, but that's kind of what we come to expect from Disco, right? Yeah. Uh, a serialized season-long story, which has its pluses and minuses. Some of us on this crew really love that. Some of us have issues with it, so we'll see. You know. I I have a friend who always says trailers lie. And Mm. I think that's a a good thing to remember about the fact that we don't know what to really anticipate from here. It'd be interesting to go back and listen to our first thoughts on uh, the trailer for Mm. any of the past seasons and see how that squares with what actually shook out. Because I believe like the, the trailer for season three pretty much was just showing the events of the first episode or two. (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. it so like everything after that was like whoa and that's probably what like mariah was saying we're in store for here 
a lot of this is just kind of showcasing some of the first seconds of like they were going out on an Amazon delivery and the ship blew up and now they're dealing with some weird gravitational thing. They have to kind of troubleshoot before they can move on to whatever is the new big bad of this season. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about, but we are anticipating it and we will definitely be covering it when Disco season four comes out. Also, Mariah, you noted here in the notes, uh, Disco won the GLAAD award for best television drama tonight. They did literally right before we logged on, I was on Twitter and saw them give their little acceptance speech. So hands off to y'all. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, obviously they're um, the show is doing a great job with representation always has from the beginning and keeps building and keeps building. Um, what do we think we're going to see from our friends? Um, Mariah, you got a face. You got, so you got I have, take. I have an interesting theory. So mm-hmm. there's this actor named Theo Germain, um, who I really enjoy. And they, um, were in, um, the politician, as well as the show work in progress. And I don't know if they're just a fan and maybe just run in the same circles, but they are also, um, you know, a part of the like queer non-binary family and, uh, of, of those in, in entertainment right now. And they were, they've dropped hints. I think they're going to be in the next season, which is my hope because I also just like love Theo Germain. And I think they're a wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, and so it's like all of these memes from Star Trek and then like just like liking everything from Star Trek openly on their Twitter. So I have high hopes that we're going to see a continued expansion <laughs> of our of our rainbow family on Star Trek. Um, and then I do think we are going to in the speech. Um, uh, Ian Alexander brought up the line that Wilson Cruz delivers about the fact that like we're going to find a way for everyone to be able to see you um, and how much that line about authentically being seen as like a whole person on a show like Star Trek and how important that is. So I'm hoping we get to see it more of Ian Alexander. Um, and I know that they were also in Toronto for a long time. So I think they, they might be in almost every episode. So. Yeah. So we'll get to see more of Ian Alexander and blue Del Barrio mm-hmm. sharing scenes together, but maybe also, sharing scenes with other characters since yeah. maybe Ian Alexander's character can be in three dimensional space with everybody. I'm hoping <laughs> we saw gray pop up um, in the trailer mm-hmm. and yep. maybe, maybe something with the gravitational force. We saw that uh, they were able to be corporeal. Is that the word? Corporeal, <laughs> uh, yeah. Visible, yeah. Visible to, uh, to other people like, like Saru. When they were next to the dilithium crystals, From the, is that the um, right is that the right term or is was, that a star? It was star the, holo- the hologram system was able to read mm-hmm. that they were there, and so they were the hologram essentially. Oh, put them back into the world. So, I mean, even if the even if they could interact on the hollow deck, as like uh, mm-hmm. at least to be seen outside of um, what. Adira's Adira's, um, mind (laughs) is able to see that would be just like more visibility and more interaction, at least as like an intermediary step. That'd be really cool. Look, I I am. I have to be honest. This whole imaginary friend storyline is is wearing a little thin for me. I'm I'm ready for Gray to be their own character. 
that being said, I, you know, does Discovery have a holodeck? Hmm. I don't know if we've seen one. I would well, love a holodeck episode. I think it's a classic. Well, I mean, <laughs> the issue, awesome. well, the issue is that Discovery was created before holodeck was a thing. Right. But I would assume with all the upgrades they've gotten. Oh, right. You know what? It would be awesome if their holodeck took them back to like the next or like uh, some other like the next generation. They're like, oh, what if we went back to that ship and just kind of walked around with those people? That's them going back in time. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I wonder kind of sidetrack. But if you introduce the holodeck to people who've never had it, I mean, couldn't that be really just disorienting? Like, that's that's a lot. It, I mean, it's like could work would just cease for a little bit. They had that's like hollow... introducing porn. You can't do that to these people. <laughs> they had hollow um, like communicators where like people would be able to like hologram in to mm-hmm. be able to use that instead of a screen. Yeah, and Chupi um, is Chupi's pointing out that in I think it was season one, they did have the practice range hollow, which was kind mm-hmm. of a rudimentary hollow where Lorca and um, and Ash Tyler. We're kind of right. doing target practice. Mm-hmm. Remember that? That was a hollow simulation. Mm-hmm. So I it's kind of like a proto, proto um, holodeck. Yeah, sure. and I, and I mean they obviously that. interacted with a, a huge hollow program last season as they were going down onto the dilithium planet. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump into Picard news. Picard season two is coming. That's the one that's coming in 2022. So production started this year in February, and like Mariah said. Q is back mm-hmm. for Picard season two. I am excited about John Delancey coming back just because John, John Delancey is such a dynamic presence, not only on Star Trek, but on everything. He's a great actor. He had that little yes. run on Breaking Bad. So good. Um, so I can't wait to see him back on the screen. And there might be more Borg stuff happening in season two. Not a lot was given up in these panels or in the yeah. trailer. Um, but there's definitely stuff to speculate about if you guys want to get into it. But real quick, um, Mariah, how do you feel about Q uh, dropping back in on Picard season two? We don't know if it's going to be for one episode, a small arc, or the entire yeah. season. So, I mean, I feel like with such a big reveal, it has to be at least more than one episode, you know, or else I feel like they'd be like, oh, we've got some of our favorite characters coming back for an episode, you know, sort of the way that I think they treated um, Maria. Um, and and Jonathan Frakes. And so, you know, I I think there are some really interesting themes that they've sort of planted in this teaser, um, which I don't think is of any footage of what's actually coming. I think they just specifically shot this teaser because they wanted to put something out that's sort of giving us some context clues of what potentially could be coming. Um, we do know that Picard loves some archaeology. Um, and I there is quite a few little pieces in that trailer. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll jump into it. I do have screenshots. I kind of want to get the take the temperature how everybody's feeling about Q. Oh, first. okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm excited. I I I like, you know, I I think Picard really wiped the slate of what to expect for next season because we really wrapped up that entire, I mean, plot point for the most part and we've like reset with all of these new characters. Um, so as long as I get more Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> Listen, I, I love John Delancey and I, Mike, I agree. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Right. That being said, 
for whatever reason, and I, you know, you guys know TNG is like my series. That's that's the where I I align. Q is probably one of my least favorite things about it. It just, I mean, you've got this. Um, basically, what you have is an omnipotent, omnipresent, practical Joker, right? It's it's like Jackass meets Star Trek. <laughs> oh come on, it's it was way <laughs> deeper than that, man. But, but, what I, but what I'm saying don't is, insult it's, Jackass it's, like that. <laughs> it's just it's all for his amusement, right? And it just it it always left me like, uh, let's get to the end of this, right? Let's figure out because he's just kind of joking around and amusing himself, and there didn't feel like there was a lot of nobility in it. And so much of Star Trek is about this noble cause, and when Q shows up, there's not a whole lot of nobility to it, and I mean, so. What's more noble than a couple of limericks and, you know, the the pondering of existential crises? <laughs> exactly. And so I'm looking at this and going, uh, I'm not that excited about it, if I'm honest. What I like about Q and Q's appearances on TNG, I mean, besides the fact that they're fun and he's, you know, he he's a uh, this, this wicked sprite who throws a wrench in Picard's plans all the time. Uh, is that he was always fascinated with our uh, our Star Trek crew, whether it was the TNG crew or we saw him pop up on Voyager a lot too with the Voyager crew. He even popped up on DS9 once and Cisco punched him in the face. It was awesome. But um, spoilers for that. Sorry, Clyde. But um, Terrible, Mike. <laughs> one of the cool things about Q was that he was always fascinated with these characters just the way we were as viewers. And he kept coming back to them, not only because he wanted to fuck with them, but because he wanted to figure out what makes them tick, what makes them go on, um, what makes them um, adhere so closely to these Star Trek slash Federation ideals that a lot of us who are fans of the series really identify with like we want our future to look that way um and q showing up being fascinated with these people just reminded me of of how great these characters were and how um how aspirational the world of star trek was because i think um sometimes it was text sometimes it was subtext was that he admired them and that's why he was always trying to see really what makes them tick but also he would get bored and fuck with them too. So. I think See. it's I think it's going to be interesting though to have Q interacting now with a a, a non-human Picard and how mm. is that going to change their dynamic together? I think that'll be interesting. Um I also just have like a small hope that we're going to get even if it's a throwaway line of John Delancey being like, "Oh yeah, I started this Q thing in the early <laughs> 21st century and it really blew up <laughs> are they really just bringing him back to like troll the red hats is that that's what's happening i mean if y'all want to get into it i highly recommend the docuseries on hbo about who q actually is um it's, i'm it's watching very that interesting. it's wild right yeah I'm, <laughs> but, on, I'm on the third episode it's really good um but yes i i think it would be very funny because like uh, this is diving Anyway, if you watch the series, there's a point where it's very obvious that it went from someone who was essentially LARPing on the internet to someone who saw an opportunity to take control and to have political power. 
Um, and that's when a big shift happened in the Q movement in the Q language. And so in my mind, I'm like, it'd be very funny if Q was like, yeah, I was just LARPing on the internet in the early 21st century and they took it way too serious. So I bounced out of there and then someone took it over and it got real bad. <laughs> it would be funny, but totally off and kind of dumb if they did that, but they will totally do it. <laughs> you, you know, you know what I would be interested in seeing, and this is kind of Q related. I I think it would be fun if Vosh came back. Yes, that's what I was thinking, and like I'll get into that. Why. I'd be all on that, right? Mm-hmm. Who is technically Q, but also not. Oh, Va- Vash is not a Q. Wasn't? Didn't she become part of the continuum, or was I hanging out with them? Rem- she was hanging out with him, but then she dumped him. But no. um, if we go through some of the screenshots of this trailer, I'll put on the screen here, uh, and so our folks in our Patreon Slack were nice enough to put this together. Thanks, Julian. Yeah, thank you. So the trailer is a bunch of shots of Picard's ready room, and it looks like it's actually the ready room on the vineyard, not on the sh- on the ship, uh, because it starts with a shot of the the vineyard and his house, mm-hmm. and then it goes inside. So it's all just Picard- Picard's voiceover with a number of shots of trinkets and whatever's hanging out in his whatever is nostalgia. in his yeah. in his ready room so it's all about nostalgia and the um the voiceover from patrick stewart is very much concerned with time uh with regret and with the idea of what if i could change something that had a profound effect on history even if it at the time it didn't seem that profound so it seems like we're going to get some time travel in season two. We know that Q oh. can travel through time with the snap of his fingers. Mm-hmm. Quantum um, leap kind of writing wrongs, you think? Maybe, maybe. Hey, there's a there's a comment in the chat about Q interacting with Guinan. Didn't we hear that we were going to get some Whoopi Goldberg in this season? There I were. Know she was asked, but I have not seen any confirmation. Yeah. Um, Patrick Stewart went on a view over a year ago and invited Whoopi Goldberg to be on season two of Picard. She accepted and there was no mention of her during first contact day. And they did talk about the cast. We do know that um, one of the, the Irish um, Romulan Romulan is, is, is coming back, which is fantastic. Can't wait to see her. I mean, but, this very much feels like Patrick Stewart or or both, actually, I was going to say Picard, or both, kind of reflecting on their life and using this as a, a lens to examine one's mortality and mm-hmm. and what one does with their time. And if, if Q has, up till now, I, I'm not really as familiar with Q, but uh, it's been this kind of great gazoo, kind of trickster, Mr. Mixel Picklick, whatever, uh, character... If they're re-entering in a show that's a little bit more self-reflective and and contemplative and a bit more mature, I wonder if they're going to tone that down and use Q as as a a person who kind of returns almost like a a make a wish genie of like mm-hmm. you know do you want to do you want to go and try and. Uh, address some of these these past regrets or these past feelings if, if that's what you're theorizing mike that this is going to be a, a time yeah. travel thing yeah um, i think that that could be if, powerful 
yeah. where the first season wasn't. <laughs> well, we do we do know that the first season kind of worked on those themes as well. Those themes of mortality, the themes of years wasted, the themes of going back into the fray to right past wrongs. And it seems like they're carrying on those themes here, but maybe to a more sci-fi or literal, uh, in a more literal way with potential mm. time travel. Also, yeah. if you look, if you guys are looking at the screen, um, there is a shot uh, of the Reckoning tablet in Picard's ready room. Now, the Reckoning tablet, and it's strange that it would it would be in this trailer and in Picard's ready room because this is a this is an Bajoran item that was only seen on a DS9 episode in which Cisco uncovered it and. Um, was trying to decipher it and then broke it. And then out of that, uh, the Bajorans have this religious mythology in which um, there's there's devils, uh, there's demons and angels fighting for the soul of Bajor, right? So when he broke this tablet, the, the prophet, one of the prophets, which is one of the angels, and then a Paul Wraith, which is one of the demons, came out, possessed a couple people on the ship, and then they fought for the soul of Bajor, like physically in that moment. Um, which, why would that be in Picard's ready room? Now, there are a couple theories. Obviously, Picard um, loves to loves to do, what, archaeology, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he would be interested in this. But, uh, Clyde, you brought up Vash. Vash is also an archaeologist who is mm-hmm. always looking for this type of stuff. So we have this tablet here. We have Q. Um, we have the idea of time travel, and then we have Vash, and we know Vash is connected to Q and Picard. So I think we're going to get a mix of all this together. Um, also, with with the Bajoran, with any kind of Bajoran relic like this tablet, um, anytime a Bajoran relic was brought into Star Trek, that's a big clue that some meta timey wimey stuff is going to happen. Some like. Not just sci-fi stuff, but fantasy type things are going to happen. And I'm wondering, too, now that you bring up sort of the lore of of the tablet, Mike, there's also the very prominent bookshot, which Picard loves a prominent bookshot uh, about Paradise, Paradise Lost, Lost. Paradise and uh, which is about the battle between good and evil. And one of the like most infamous lines of that is, uh, it's better to reign in hell than it is to serve in heaven. Um, so there could be something very interesting about, uh, uh, about like responsibility, you know, like uh, not like re- power, I guess, power, like power play and, and what comes with now being essentially sort of Im- immortal for the most part. Right. I remember one of the bigger themes in paradise loss, not only being, you know, the, the loss of the garden of Eden and paradise, but also, the idea of free will, right? Mm-hmm. What we do with our free will and how much that controls us or how much is destiny versus free will. So that's a re- really broad theme that could easily be woven into a show like this, especially with time travel and thinking about regrets and going back and righting wrongs. Um, but I wonder how literally the the season will hew to these themes that we see in Paradise Lost. I saw a good question here. Um from Chike it says, will it be weird seeing Q age? And I, I think it would be going to de-age him. Right. I, I think it'd be funny if you see Q pop up as his old age, his, his regular younger age, and then looks at Picard and goes, Oh, hold up. 
and then like ages up to like match him. That's exactly like, you what's going to happen. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'll make you feel better. Perfect. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will go like this the entire time. Yeah. There's also um, prominent shots in this trailer to or of pictures of Picard's older ship, the Stargazer. Um, and there's also a shot of an hourglass with the sand going up backwards. So, I mean, so, so come what on, you're time saying, Mike, happening, right? What, you, what you're saying, Mike, is Gates McFadden is back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. She wasn't announced. Like, they didn't announce a lot of uh, uh, TNG folks coming on. But, you know, the, it's early. This show's not coming out till 2022. So mm-hmm. we're going to... We're going to see some surprises. Somebody wake me up when LeVar Burton's back. Yeah. I thought this piece of the trailer was kind of cool. At the end, we see the the Queen of Hearts lying on Picard's table, and then it fades away just to reveal the Q. And then we get Q's voiceover that the the trial never ends. Right. What wasn't in the first season, uh, Picard was playing cards with Data, right? Mm -hmm. And was at that same table? That he was like, I don't know if it's at the same table, but he was playing mm-hmm. cards with him, and it was kind of significant that like data wasn't there, he was just kind of reflecting on the past and he was remembering elements of his past with data and kind of, uh, I was gonna say, cueing in on that. <laughs> uh, they use the, the same visual elements to say, Oh, we're gonna play off of Q again. It's really specific visual elements that match that first episode of Picard because it wasn't the same table. It was Picard having a dream about data that turned into a nightmare with the ship blowing right. up at the end. But it was data. Data's hand was a hand of five queens. Mm. And that never seemed to have much significance in the first season, but now we're seeing a queen of hearts. And then that signals us that Q is coming back in this trailer. So was there did data have cool. five daughters, five queen daughters, and then only two of them survived? I know that he had the three, right? He had the two twins, and he had the evil one. Mm-hmm. And were there data? two? Data <laughs> just had lots of kids. Well, there was one in T and G, so that was four. I don't remember if he had five or not. Oh man, I don't remember. Um, yeah, we are. I can't believe we've already been chatting for an oh, hour. But wow. Uh, we haven't even started talking about Lower Decks or Prodigy. I mean, Prodigy, they really just showed us the same screenshots plus one of, of Janeway. Um, and then Lower Decks, we did get a short teaser trailer as well, which, you know, looks funny. We've got, um, you know, uh, Beckett in the uh, the brig for something. We have her in some crazy battle armor at one point. And then we have um, Boimler uh, reacting to bad jazz puns from Riker on the Riker. bridge of the USS Titan. I'm mm-hmm. all for it. <clears throat> so let's talk about Prodigy real quick. This is the uh, we finally see Janeway, animated mm-hmm. Janeway. Well, still of animated Janeway with her coffee. Looks pretty cool. Um, and we did get confirmation that it's going to be a Janeway hologram that mm-hmm. the young crew is going to interact with. So that was a big theory um, going forward when when. Captain Janeway quotes on around the captain was announced to be in the show. And we all know if you watch Star Trek Nemesis, um, by the time uh, years after the uh, Voyager gets back 
to the Alpha Quadrant, Janeway is promoted to Admiral. Mm-hmm. Not Badmiral. Admiral. Just an Admiral. Just an Admiral. So, yeah. so Janeway is a hologram training program for yep. um, up-and-coming Starfleet prodigies. Mm-hmm. Well, y- you got to keep in mind that this is a bunch of rogue teenagers who stole a ship. So we we all questioned, mm-hmm. I think when we started talking about it before, is if you steal a ship, how do you run a ship? And so this is going to be the training program that basically teaches them and I'm guessing counsels them on how to run the ship. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. And uh, the show takes place... Uh, after the events of Voyager and Nemesis, the last TNG movie, and it's the year 2383, it's right before the Picard series, I think. Hmm. And it does take place in the Delta Quadrant, where all of Voyager took place. And there's a synops- a new synopsis that Paramount Plus put out. It says, Prodigy will follow a motley crew of young aliens who must figure out how to work together while navigating a greater galaxy. In a search for a better future. These six young outcasts know nothing about the ship they have commandeered, a first in the history of the Star Trek franchise. But over the course of their adventures together, they will each be introduced to Starfleet and the ideals it represents. A.K.A. we're indoctrinating the children into the Mm -hmm. Star Trek way. Yeah, there's an animated series on Netflix now called um, Pacific Rim, The Black. And it has a somewhat similar premise. Um, if you've seen Pacific Rim, you know they've got these, you know, giant mechanical machines. Um, robots. And it, robots. And in it, though, these two pilots kind of go in, these Jaegers. They go in and the issue is they don't really know what they're doing. And so they have to, the AI is a training simulator that helps them run this Jaeger. Um, I can see something very similar happening with this is where you've got this Janeway training program that in effect is almost acting as an assistant captain, right? Is helping them figure out, all right, this, this is what you need to do. Here's here. This is an issue. Um, And I'm definitely inch into that. Um, in the chat, someone asked, is Pacific Rim the Black worth it? If you like Pacific Rim the movies, then yes. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's a mixed bag answer. <laughs> I liked it. But, I mean, you're talking about sci-fi, anime. Um, this is kind of the area that I like. But if you're not into well, that stuff, you're not. How do you guys feel about um, Janeway, this being her returning to Trek? through voiceover in an animation series um, where she's basically babysitting some rascally kids. The thing I like about this show, and it's, it seems to be that this will be the Star Trek show that we need right now. That's going to be really important because everything that Paramount Plus is saying about the show, everything that um, Kate Mulgrew is saying about the show um, sounds like the show is going to be all about here's why Star Trek is important and great, and here how you here's how you can fit it into your life, because it's going to be all about these kind of rogue kids stealing this ship and then learning the Federation, the Starfleet way, in terms of um, 
just all the great ideals that we associate with, all the progressive ideals that we associate with when we think of Trek, when we think of the Federation, when we think of Starfleet. So I think this show is just going to be a celebration of what Star Trek is, but it's also going to introduce these new characters that can interpret that in different ways. Um, and I think Janeway being the mouthpiece, or Kate Mulgrew herself being the mouthpiece for um, teaching these these kids what Star Trek is and can be, I think it's just perfect. Not only because is she um, uh, a very a very stagey, fun performer. Like if you watch some of those Voyager episodes, she's just going for it. And that can be really fun in animated form. So just like having her be the mouthpiece for that, I think it's going to be really fun and entertaining. I, I love this. Like I love this idea for some behind the scenes reasons. And I, I think that that is be, you know, when I look at somebody like um, Kate Mulgrew, I think she's a supremely talented actor and what we're doing. And, and, and I could actually say the same thing about Patrick Stewart, especially as a stage actor. But the issue with Patrick Stewart as we go back on Picard is he is aged quite a bit. And so the story becomes all about his age. Mm -hmm. Right. It comes it, it mm -hmm. becomes about him being an older and what has happened and him being, you know, past this this issue. A ageism and 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 roles. There are not enough roles written for older actors um, in general. Um, there's not enough stories told about them. But what I see in this is we get. We get Janeway as as Janeway. It's not about. Janeway being older. It's not about what happened to Janeway after Voyager. We just get Kate Mulgrew acting like she acts in this form. So I love this. Like, I, I love that we're going to get something that has nothing to do with us taking this, 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 this thing that we knew, which was Voyager and then aging it to 2021. Mariah, I know you love. That's a good point, Mariah. Mm -hmm. I know you love Janeway. What do you feel about getting actual like Captain Janeway back for the series? I mean, I think it's fun. It's like if I could go to a library, if you know, I lived in the era of Star Trek and Starfleet, and could go interact with a hologram of my favorite captain and learn lessons from that person. Like hell yeah, I'd go do that. And I think it is like you were saying, Clyde. It's very smart because we're not getting. Admiral Janeway like popping in on a screen giving them the lesson of the day that they need to learn like instead it's like they're essentially learning from the library of Janeway along their journey which I think was a very smart way for them to to bring her back in this particular instance you know like of course as a fan I'd love to see Kate Mulgrew pop up in other things in real life but I also honor actors decisions to be like I have now left that character in that form and I'm going to withhold the integrity of it, which I think this is allowing her to also maintain that aspect of it while revisiting this particular character. Yeah. So for sure. Mariah, do you think, I think that's a really interesting statement and I'm curious, do you think that Patrick Stewart has not done that? I think they are still trying to find the correct tone for Picard. I know Picard is such an iconic captain. And I think in their grasp to try to bring more people over to the, the 
Paramount, CBS, whatever you want to call it, and be like, hey, Trek fans, we're back. And we're so back, we're going to bring back your fave. But it's so funny to me because the more like, not so much people who are like, eh, new Trek, but people who enjoy new Trek, like in our circles of folks and other podcasts that I'll listen to, I think a lot of times, like for a lot of us, our favorite captains were were Janeway and Cisco, and so it's like I don't know. It, it would be more interesting. T- I don't mind tying up loose ends, but I also just enjoying moving on to new concepts, ideas, and captains because this is a huge world. Yeah, right. I, I'm curious what you think, Mike. Too. I, I just I think Picard tarnished a little bit of of this image that I had of Captain Picard in the Star Trek lore for me. He was my captain. And this new show is like, what is this dude doing? <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way, yeah. I don't I'm able to separate TNG Picard and movie Picard from the what's going on in, in the Picard series. You know, I just feel like it's a new story. It's new storytellers trying something new. Sure it is quote unquote canon, but it doesn't like ruin you know, yeah. Picard for me at all. I just, I actually enjoy the experimentation of it, even if I don't uh, always, you know, jive with the 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 way the themes are played out, or maybe the actions a character takes, or the fact that he's a robot now. Hey, Grant, I don't want to offend you. I didn't ask you because I know how much you hate TNG. <laughs> so, hate it. Absolutely hate it. I want to talk real quick about Lower Decks, uh, just because. Yeah. That that trailer is basically like every trailer for that they advertise Rick and Morty. It shows a whole bunch of clips. It gets me energized on a sugar rush, but I don't know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just a it. bunch of yeah. jokes. And if you like slow down the trailer, I'm sure there's like a hundred Star Trek canon references in the background. The only thing is like Boimler is obviously on a different ship from the rest of them. So how long does it take to get the band back together? Yeah, we'll see. And and that's the other so not to like go back to Picard, but the thing I think that is also successful about us getting like Riker on lower decks is we are now getting a completely different side of Riker because it is playing into the the most comic moments of that character rather than it being a mm-hmm. deep dive drama, right? Like we all know there's those moments of of lightness. Um I I'm really excited for lower decks. I think it's I it continues. I rewatched it recently and it it's still it's still funny. There's still new things I see in it every single time. I also think Beckett Mariner is probably one of my favorite characters of all time in Star Trek, period. And I'm excited oh. to see what happens with Beckett. Oh. Um mm-hmm. and I'm also stoked. So the other big thing they announced throughout all of this, and maybe we can, you know, not to keep dragging on, but um, is the return of an official star trek con which is coming next year in april in chicago i didn't get our invite to host a panel at the con though they're still putting a lot of it together the only the only confirmed guest thus far is will wheaton (laughs) so because uh you guys in the comments um you need to make your voices heard that you want us at the panel so do that posting something Um, but with the low, yes. the lower decks crew has now all since said on Twitter, and I'm going to hold them accountable that they are going to come to the con dressed as their characters. 
And Jack Quaid said he will either dye his hair or wear a wig to have the purple hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Yeah, I'm August 12th, four months away from brand new Lower Decks, brand new Star Trek. That's the one I'm really looking forward to because I know it's just going to be 10 weeks of fun. Also, we forgot to mention that Lower Decks was also renewed for season three, mm -hmm. a 10 episode season three. So we got two more years of Lower Decks coming up. Uh, you, you posted the posted Kern's uh, mm -hmm. comment here a second ago. I'm, he says, I'm still more excited to see season two of Lower Decks than season two of Picard. And I just want to say, Lower Decks is the show I'm most excited about in the Trek universe. Even more than more, Disco? More than Disco. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> more than more Disco. Than I, I feel like Disco... I don't know. I... It, it goes different ways and it has an it has ebbs and flows, but tonally I know exactly what I'm getting from lower decks and it's easily digestible. Mm, it hits a sweet spot for me. I, 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 I do agree that it's easily digestible, but disco is, is teetering on being one of the best star Trek series ever. Agreed. Right. Better, like, better than lower decks. Have you seen that show? I, I, I'm talking about better than the original <laughs> series, better than TNG disco's doing something that, that those shows just haven't done. And, and I got to be careful because of recency bias and just, you know, it's new and, and it, it, it's got all the things that we, that where TV has come to today that those other series didn't have. I mean, I, I think lower decks is fun and smart and witty, but disco's on another level for me. I um, validate and hear and love all your opinions on this. How, how political of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, though, is they scratch different itches, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I think that's why it's so fun to have these two series on mm -hmm. right now around the same time, because you're able to really appreciate the two very drastically different sides of, of the Star Trek universe. I spent a good amount of time bitching about uh, lower decks because it failed to have like a a greater series arc and it seemed too episodic for me and then it completely like sealed all of that in and baked it to a point where i'm like now this like proselytizing for it <laughs> i think it's great yeah i disco still my number one lower decks is climbing on its heels as my second favorite for sure they're used to being number two i think it's okay for them i mean i feel like i can already hear them chanting we're number two <laughs> <laughs> all right uh yeah this has been a nice long loose hang went longer than i are thought we, we had a lot to are say we about done? stuff. are we done we're yeah. not going to talk about um strange new worlds that exciting show that uh, Redhead Stepchild. That is definitely happening, or... but we didn't hear it. There's anything no, about it? No, I think they're deep in in writing and shooting for that, so there's nothing out as of yet. So yeah, it wasn't really mentioned during uh, First Contact Day. I'm it's super happening. excited about it though. Like I, I, I'm trying not to think about it because I think that has a, a chance to be a monster hit. Big time, big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell to be notified when we go live. We'll be going live once or twice a month during the off season. But back when um, August 12th, when uh, Lower Decks premieres, we'll be covering every episode of that weekly. 
And we'll also be dropping some other videos during the offseason on the YouTube channel. Make sure you are subscribed to that YouTube channel to get all the content that we're going to be putting out. Uh, more loose hangs, but more, you know, more focused videos coming to you soon. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah. Mariah, do your plugs. Oh, do it. So you can follow us at StarTrekPod.co uh, for all the places to listen to this podcast or watch this podcast, especially this one. If you're listening to the audio version, check us out on the video version so you can see us talking about uh, all the screenshots, costume breakdowns, the very long costume breakdown on this particular episode, and all of our opinions and more. Again, that's StarTrekPod.co. Hey, and feel free to follow us on social media. You can follow us at Star Trek Pod on all of our our, our social medias. Um, and we want to give a special shout out to Karen, 321Go, and to James Worm, who runs our Insta. Thanks, guys. And patreon.com slash Star Trek Pod is where you can go, but give that $2 an episode pledge. Go there right now. We're done pretty much with this episode. Just go ahead and cut us off early. You don't have to listen to the rest of my pitch can, on Patreon.com. You can just go right now. You can open up a separate browser tab. You yeah, could open yeah. a separate browser tab as well, I suppose. But then you still have to listen to me, which can be tedious, I've heard from people. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. You go there and you can give that $2 an episode pledge. Get access to the Slack channel. Get access to our bonus exclusive episodes that we'll put out from time to time. And help Mike buy sweet ass mugs. He needs I only mugs. have like 140 of them. I need more. Got to have one for every day. Guys. Yeah. I need 365 brand new mugs. All right, guys. Where can we follow you online? Clyde. You can follow me at, there we go, at Clyde Haynes on Twitter. And you can follow me online at www.keyandclyde.com. All right, Mariah. I'm at Mariah Gossett on all platforms. It's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. Grant Davis. You can follow me at Grant. Just type <laughs> in the word Grant. I think You'll I find might him. be the only one. Just I Google Grant. Yeah. Bing.com grant. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Like <laughs> Yeah. Find me at Mike uh, and at Mike Moody Garcia on Twitter. That's all we got. We're out. Live long and prosper. Bye. Bye.